What a turnaround it has been in Australian cricket. Going into last year's Ashes series just 10 months ago, Australia was down the pecking order in the World Test Rankings. Now they're number one again and also number one in the one-dayers as well. We'll dissect that on Cow Corner today. We'll also hear about Chris Rogers continuing to make runs in English county cricket, an extraordinary run chase for Middlesex. Papua New Guinea is emerging as a cricket nation and the IPL competition is gathering momentum. I'm Dan Lonigan. We're back after a two-week hiatus on Cow Corner with my good mate Pete Newlands. Welcome back, Pete. Hello, Dan. Great to be with you again. Uh, plenty happening in the world of cricket. What about Australia? This time last year, we had our tails between our legs, having been absolutely thrashed in India 4-0. And we were going into a series where we lost uh, quite comprehensively 3-1. So I guess the lesson is... Uh, it can turn around quickly, and it can turn around quickly when you've got your your firepower um, working as you'd like them to in the case of Mitchell Johnson. So uh, great work by Michael Clark and the team and the support staff, uh, led by Mitchell Johnson and some really good, consistent performances uh, from the uh, the rest of the team. And here we are, once again, number one in the world. Didn't take long. No, certainly not. Look, I'm, I'm surprised that they are number one so quickly uh, after the way they were thrashed by India. And they got well beaten by England, oh, even yeah. though... I think that scoreline sort of flattered England a little bit and, and they were terrible in Australia the last Australian summer. We know how good Australia was and Darren Lehman's got his team playing well. Look, there are elements. Spoken about this on the program before, Peter, I don't like about this Australian side, but winners are grinners, losers can please themselves. And, and everyone sort of contributed right throughout the series. If uh, Chris Rogers didn't get runs, Michael Clark would. If he didn't get runs, Steve Smith would. And Dave Warner, well, he got lots of runs uh, in the Ashes series in Australia and then dominated the South African series. And you mentioned the bowlers, Mitchell Johnson, Ryan Harris, Peter Siddle made a contribution as well, and Nathan Lyon. And there was no one that let the team down, and uh, that's why they did so well. But it's come a lot quicker than I thought. And I dare say, Pete, it's come a lot quicker than the... Uh, Cricket Australia hierarchy and also, I dare say, the coaches and the players of the Australian team would have thought that they'd be number one just 10 months ago when things weren't looking too good going into the Ashes series in England. And the word is now that John Inverarity might be standing down as head selector. He might stay on uh, in some uh, slightly less demanding role. He's very hands-on selector, John Inverarity. I've seen him at Shield Games doing laps of the ground, even talking to the odd player as the, the game continues. Very interested and uh, obviously clearly an astute uh, cricket uh, uh, observer. But even he, probably in his uh, wildest expectations, didn't think we'd be at the top uh, so quickly. And he deserves a lot of credit mm. because he's backed some players. Chris Rogers was one he backed, and uh, that's proved to be an outstanding success. And we'll hear from Chris Rogers, as mentioned, a little bit later in the program, a fine player. He was the sort of player that Invers thought would be perfect for English conditions, and he ended up doing a great job in that series in England and also in Australia. We got some runs in South Africa as well, and uh, he thought Mitchell Johnson deserved another opportunity after bowling very fast indeed in the one-day series in England yep. in the last English summer. It ended up being a great selection. He backed Ryan Harris to come back from injury. He backed Brad Haddon to return. And uh, they've all repaid the faith that he showed in them. So, look, he's a very astute cricket man. He was like that as a, a captain of WA. And we've had this debate before, Peter. He's a bit unlucky that he wasn't captain of Australia during the second year of World Series cricket a long time ago now. But he loves the game. He knows the game. And he deserves a lot of credit for Australia's uh, very quick rise over the last 12 months or so. This is what uh, Michael Clark had to say on hearing the news. 
that Australia, his team, uh, was number one in the world again. I think the last two years have been extremely positive in some ways and there's been, there's been a number of tough times and I guess for a team, um, you know, it makes these days even more special and for me personally as, as captain of this team through um, the last couple of years, what we've been through, I don't think I've had a, a more satisfying day or feeling in my career. Yeah, look, I'll spend the next couple of days getting in contact with the boys and congratulating them. Um, I seen Cricket Australia staff yesterday or yesterday after, uh, late afternoon once I found out the news and congratulated all the staff. Well, it's probably so satisfying because of where we've come from. You know, I think, and, and you know, take this the right way, it, it, takes, um, it takes a big effort to get to number one in the world in any sport, there's no doubt about it, but it's even harder to stay there, and the great teams find a way to stay there. So that's our, that's our job, that's our priority, there's no doubt about it. But the fact that two years ago we were ranked number five in the world, um, you know, as, as captain of the team, I, I remember, it's still in the front of my mind, the, um, what was written and said about us, once we come back from India, you know, we'll, we were named the worst Australian team to, to ever tour India. And as captain, that's the last thing you want to hear. That, that breaks your heart. So um, I guess to, yeah, to enjoy today and, and see the other side in, in what I think is a pretty quick turnaround. In, in two years, we've gone from number five to number one. Um, I'm extremely proud of that. Michael Clark, the Australian captain, delighted as he would be with Australia again, number one in the Test cricket rankings, also number one in the one days as well, which will give the team plenty of confidence, Pete, in the lead up to the World Cup, which will be in Australia and New Zealand early next year. This is Cow Corner, ABC Grandstands Cricket Show. This is Cow Corner on Grandstand Digital and on Radio Australia right around the Pacifics with Dan Lonigan and Peter Newlands. And talking of that part of the world, Papua New Guinea continues to emerge as a legitimate cricket nation. It's been awarded official ODI status by the International Cricket Council and will be greeted next week by members of the ICC who will conduct one of their biannual development committee meetings which are held each time in developing cricket nations like Papua New Guinea. Tim Anderson is the Global Development Manager from the ICC and he joins us now. Tim, great to catch up. All the hard work's paying off for Papua New Guinea. Uh, they've got the right to be a legitimate ODI nation. How long has it taken for them to achieve this status? Well, uh, quite a while, uh, Dan, and, and thanks for the uh, the offer to come and have a chat. Um, yeah, look, Cricket PNG has, has quite a long history, obviously, a very close relationship with Australia. Um, they've been developing their, their local systems and uh, and facilities and players for a, a good 10 or so years now so it's it's been quite a long time in the making but um look it's it's absolutely deserved they've got a, a significant um, participation program well over 100,000 people playing cricket in PNG um, and now they've got ODI status which uh, puts them well up the ladder and uh, gives them an opportunity to play against uh, some of the big boys in international cricket. Now, during last summer, of course, Tim, we saw uh, a PNG team playing in that South Australian Premier League, an expanded competition from um, Adelaide. How much of a benefit has that experience been for the these players now that have got a big responsibility playing international cricket? Yeah, I think that's a significant um, addition to their program. Um, they also play a lot of um, ICC uh, cricket, a lot of qualifying events, um, and they'll also now participate um, in the ICC's Intercontinental Cup, which is a, a four-day first-class competition, which will have a qualification aspect into Test cricket, which is a, a new change within some of the ICC uh, resolutions that have been put forward recently. So that, that's a real positive for them as well. But the, the support that they receive from the Australian cricket community generally, not just in South Australia, is absolutely fantastic. And 
a couple of their players were, were involved in the big bash, um, at least in a, in a rookie um, contract um, last season, which which was terrific. And certainly there's a lot of talented players up there, and hopefully they can they get a game in the big bash at some stage in the future too. What are the main boxes, Tim, they have to tick to be able to be a legitimate one-day nation? I mean, as you say, it's a, still a developmental country, but they've come a long way in a short space of time. They have. Um, they've got a terrific facility um, up there uh, in Port Moresby called a mini park that uh, was uh, overtaken largely by squatters and snakes and long grass and all those sorts of things a few years back, but they've worked really hard with the, the local community. A lot of local corporates have got behind it, for, and that granted a mini park... Uh, will likely become an ODI venue shortly. Um, it provides a great training base um, for the best cricketers in the country. Um, and uh, we're obviously really excited about getting up there to Port Moresby next week to have a good look at it. Tim, I've had the, the great experience of actually going to PNG. It is an extraordinary place um, by, by any measure. But uh, in my time there, I picked up the fact that they were absolutely mad about the game of rugby league. I wasn't as aware of a similar passion for cricket. Is there a genuine hunger and thirst for people in that country to, to follow and to play this game? Yeah, I think there really is. And, and again, the, the number of participants um, is evidence of that, and it's grown substantially in the last few years. Um, rugby league is, is still the, the king of sports up there in, in PNG, but cricket is really coming through. Um, I think the international exposure that the team now gets, and that's not just at the senior men's level, but also their women's team, their under-19 side, um, it really creates a, a pathway for young Papua New Guineans to, to get an opportunity to play a sport on the international stage. And um, they're, they're very good at it. They're athletic people. Um, they have a, a great hunger and desire, as you said, for, for our sport, in my view. Um, and I think they're a really exciting prospect for the, um, for the future of our game. And Tim, as Global Development Manager of the ICC, there are a number of new nations getting heavily involved in the game. Can I ask you about South Korea and their baseball players trading diamonds for ovals ahead of September's Asian Games with the country's recently established national T20 side gearing up to take on the likes of India, Pakistan and the world champ Sri Lanka in cricket's shortest form. How pleased are you with that particular development? Yeah, it's an interesting story. Um, They're just starting off... um, in South Korea. Um, I, I think it's a really in, inventive and, and novel way um, to get uh, people that have probably got some skills um, from another sport across into cricket, and baseball's an obvious one, and not just the way they swing the bat, but the way they field. Um, they are just starting, though, so I, I think they'll be a little bit out of their depth against some of the bigger nations in the Asian Games, but uh, it's great to see them have the opportunity to compete and great to see them thinking outside of the square about getting some new talent into, into cricket. And Tim, just on PNG again, what sort of fixturing can we expect us to, uh, to see in terms of their involvement uh, at an international level in 50-over cricket? So 50-over cricket, um, they'll, they'll compete in a competition called the ICC World Cricket League Championship, um, which is our World Cup qualification competition. It goes over two and a half years and will start in, in 2015. Um, the, the qualification process, the 2015 World Cup has just been completed and the next round starts in the lead-up to 2019 next year. So they'll have um, two and a half years or so of bilateral cricket against the top um, associate members, so Ireland, Afghanistan, Scotland, the UAE teams of that ilk. Um, and if they are able to compete well against those sides over that period, they'll be in line to, to possibly play in the World Cup in 2019, which... Uh, is a long way away. Um, they've got a bit of work to do to get there, but um, it'll be interesting to see how they compete against those top associates. 
How competitive do you expect them to be, Tim? Considering uh, they are, of course, coming from a fair way back, teams like Ireland, Afghanistan, Scotland have had a fair bit of experience at international level. Yeah, they have. I think it's fair to say that we're probably a little bit surprised that PNG's made this step so quickly and pleasantly surprised. Um, they are largely inexperienced at this level um, compared to those other teams, so it's going to be a pretty steep learning curve for them. Um, Ireland and Afghanistan um, have been the standout sides uh, within the associate member world for a few years now, and um, they compete very strongly with the bottom four members um, and, in fact, probably beat them um, more so than they lose to them. So they're very good cricket teams. Um, PNG is going to have to play extremely well and, and probably learn a, a lot from those matches against them, but I'm, uh, I'm sure they've, they've got the capacity to do that. Are the players drawn out from all, uh, all parts of the country, Tim, or is it from particular pockets of what is a vast uh, and uh, quite a difficult country to move around um, in many ways? Yes, yeah, certainly a diverse and, and disparate country, um, mainly from Port Moresby. Um, and in fact, many of the players actually come from one village um, called Hanawabara Village um, in Port Moresby, um, which is a, a pretty spectacular place. Um, obviously an extremely strong cricket culture in that one place. We, we might think of a village in our own minds as being quite small, but this is a very vast area, um, pretty much in the middle of Port Moresby. Um, so very strong cricket culture there, and a lot of the players actually come out of that one place. Tim, great to catch up. It's fascinating. It's fantastic for the game of cricket that it continues to expand, and uh, I really appreciate your time on Grandstand today. That's Tim Anderson, the Global Development Manager from the ICT, talking to us about the latest development that Papua New Guinea has been granted one-day international status, which is fantastic for them and fantastic for the future of the game in years to come. This is Cow Corner. This is Cow Corner with Peter Newlands and Dan Lonigan. Chris Rogers made 241 not out during the week for Middlesex. In a final innings run chase, they chased down 472 to win to beat Yorkshire arch rivals at their home ground at Lords. It's Middlesex's third highest run chase, and Rogers' total of 241 not out, uh, the third highest score by a batsman in the county championship in the fourth innings. It was an innings described by Angus Fraser, the director of cricket at Middlesex, as the best he's seen for a player playing for that county, which has such an esteemed history. Here's Chris Rogers speaking after his epic innings after the close of play at Lords. It's a nice rap by uh, Gus. I've, I've asked for a few more things in my package now, but um, <laughs> but uh, no, it's um, you know it's been a a great day, and 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 you know ho- hopefully the club can go from strength from to strength from that. The records tumbled. Um, the highest run chase for Middlesex here at Lords, third highest in the history of the grounds. Um, for yourself though, as an individual. And that must be the greatest innings you've hit. Yeah, I think so. Um, there's been a couple of good ones, but uh, yeah, I mean, to, to, to a fourth innings to play like that and, and get a win, I think you know that's that doesn't happen every every day. And uh, so, you know, I think that was what was kept what kept driving me. And and, and to get over the line and still be there is. Um, yeah, something to be very proud of, I think. At what point did it become a reality? Because it was a fantastic start last night, but there was still a heck of a lot of work to do today. Yeah, I mean, I still think there was there was a little bit of danger, even even a hundred out. Um, you know, if we lost a couple of quick ones and then and then the tail or whoever were coming in, I think it would have been a little bit different. But um, you know, I think the other guys deserve a lot of credit too. They they came out and they played very well and, and took the pressure off me too. And and. Uh, so yeah, it was a, like I said. I think it was a, almost a, a perfect run chase, and, and 
and, and that's something that, as a side, you know, we've we've been criticised for our batting, so um, that that can be, you know, an, an excellent step for us, I think. What was the mindset when you went out to bat at two yesterday? Uh, well, I just said to the boys, like, it's just I almost thought the game was gone, and and not to worry. I, um, the first innings was was very disappointing. I just thought we were timid, you know. There was they're a very good attack, particularly in conditions that suit them, and and no one stood up, and that that's what annoyed me. And um, and so I said to them, just go out and take your chance, you know, be be positive and and see what happens. And and we all did it, and and it came off for us. It, it won't happen every day, but today was our day. A very fine player, Chris Rogers. What an innings that was. And as you say, Peter, huge raps from Gus Fraser. That It's mm. one of the best innings, if not the best innings he's ever seen. And we know that Middlesex have had some very fine players over the years. Uh, what have been a great innings to watch. What a performance. i tell you what, Dan, I have this theory that as time goes on, it's not a theory, mm. it's a belief that as time goes on, we're going to see more and more really large fourth innings run chases. We saw... Uh, Queensland chased down a massive total at the Gabba earlier this year in the uh, closing stages of yep. the Shield season. I just think as time goes on with the conditions and the, the bats and the way uh, batsmen are, you know, approached run chases, mainly through ex- experience in limited overs games, I think it won't be long before we're seeing scores in excess of 400 chased down pretty regularly. That's still a massive chase, though, by Middlesex, uh, 472, and uh, Chris Rogers has absolutely dominated that competition for a long time. Uh, fantastic knock, 241, not out. Talking of big hitting... Up next, we'll find out how the IPL's going with Gav Joshi. This is Cow Corner, ABC Grandstands Cricket Show. The IPL swings into Indian mode this weekend. Our man on the spot in India is, as always, Gav Joshi. Gav, thanks for talking to us on Cow Corner. My pleasure, and the tournament good to be back in India. Yeah. Now, does the tournament start to get really serious now? It's back in its, uh, let's, let's call it a time country. It is, yeah. I mean, you can put it that way. I think it's uh, once it's moved back to India, teams are going to have to have some home advantage. Um, we see Kolkata Knight Riders who play on the little slow pitches. You see Mumbai clearly get a little bit of bounce, as will uh, Punjab. And so I think teams will start to realise that they can select teams uh, as far as how the conditions will be uh, in their home state. Any team surprised you so far with how well they've gone? Have they gone better than you thought they would? And as a return, you thought, would have gone a bit better than they've gone so far, Gav. Well, the Kings 11 now in five out of five, led by George Bailey, of course, with Glenn Maxwell has been a sensational, of course, led by Mitchell Johnson. So that's definitely surprised you. I probably expected them to make the top four, but five out of five is a great start. And they have some home games coming up in Mohali, which is traditionally quite a quick pitch in India in terms of Indian standards. So with Mitchell Johnson there, you expect them to be certainties to make the semis. Uh, a little bit disappointed with probably Hyderabad um, with Aaron Finch and David Warner. They're probably just on the fringe of the top four, but with Tom Moody in charge, I think he's getting the balance right. And you, I just expect them to probably come good at the end of the tournament. But I'm being a little bit disappointed by them, as I have been with the Mumbai Indians who can't strike a win. And, of course, they are the regaining champions. Just on uh, George Bailey, in his previous experiences in the IPL, mainly with the uh, with the Super Kings in Chennai, he spent a bit of time on the bench. Now at this new team, he seems to be uh, uh, getting a good run of games. How would you assess the way Bailey is uh, performing? Absolutely. 
phenomenal. I mean, just the way he's been put into the spotlight here, he's, he's, he's captaining the team. And if you look back at his record, as you mentioned, in Chennai, he basically sat on the bench, let the likes of, you know, MS Dhoni and Toe do all the work. But he, he's the man to go to. He's the leader of the team, and he's managed the team perfectly. I mean, just the way he's been able to get most out of players like Glenn Maxwell and some of the young guns also. He's got Virin de Salak there who's giving him a helping hand. And one of the coaches, of course, this team was in transition under Darren Lehman last year. So we know what Darren's done, and they've got a really good coach in Sanjay Vanga, uh, who sort of goes under the radar a bit. And that sort of... It, that works well with George Bailey, sort of you know, sort of a man who likes to go under the radar a bit as well. And I think he's led brilliantly. He's batted at number six. He's allowed that you know he's chosen the right team in according to situations, and he's done a fantastic job. And I have his team at five from five. You can't ask for anything better. Now, Gav, the tournament's been going for quite a few years now. Do you think it's well established in the Indian sporting calendar and Indian sporting psyche? Thing. I mean, this year's probably had a little bit of tension off it with the uh, federal elections going on, but now with, with the tournament held back in India as well, you see the big crowds coming in. There was excellent turnouts over in Dubai as well. Dubai, uh, just no doubt, not only on television, but TV, it's become, as we call it, probably you know, like our football season we have back home. So two months, IPL, is part of the sporting routine in India and people absolutely love it and adore it and they support it with great passion. And Gav, uh, last one from me, James Faulkner turned 24 on Wednesday. It seems like it's been around a lot longer than that. Uh, how is he performing as his career really starts to heat sort of its peak, hit its peak years now? the IPL, but in just in the last game against in the Super over against um, against Kolkata Knight Riders, he came so good. I mean, his, his economy rate was well over eight. He wasn't picking up wickets, but when the situation got tough, it brings out the best in James Faulkner. That's what he did on his well on his birthday. Basically, they needed twelve of twelve balls, and James Faulkner come in and pick up three wickets in that one over, and that probably will kickstart his IPL. Probably he likes playing on the pitches over in Jaipur where. Rajasthan Royals are based, um, and it sense that just that bowling spell on a couple of days ago will just, you know, give him that confidence, not just with the ball, but perhaps with the bat, in which we all know he can win games with not only bat, but also with the ball. Gav, great to catch up. Keep enjoying the tournament, and no doubt we'll talk again soon on the IPL. Thanks for joining us once again on Cow Corner. My pleasure, Dan. There's Gav Joshi, our man at the IPL. Dan, I don't like these super overs. Uh, I'm no. sure they make for good television and it's good theatre. What is wrong with having a, a draw and a retired match in the round robin or the, the phase uh, part of a, a tournament? Maybe in a knockout game, sure, or even a final. But for me, uh, I think you can settle for a, a drawn game in uh, 2020 cricket, as we could in the BBL, and save the super overs for the games that really matter late in the tournament. What do you think about that? Well, Pete, I agree with you. I, yeah, just just not right. I mean, uh, cricket has had ties. It's had draws over the years. It's it's part of what makes the game great. It's part of what makes the game exciting. Yeah, I don't I don't like the Super Overs either. I agree with you in the finals, but not the lead-up matches, no. All right, Dan, as we wrap it up today, my stand of the week comes out of Elton College in the UK. George Haley marked this man's uh, young man's name down. He's captain of their first 11. He hit 208 of 56 Ooh. balls in a T20 National Cup match as the team, this is Eltham College, made 318 of their 20 overs. I'm assuming uh, they went on to win the game. George Haley. I've enjoyed Cow Corner this week. Dan, it's great to be back. Looking forward to doing it all again this time next week. Can't wait, Pete. Speak to you then.
Francis Leach. ABC Grandstand Digital Breakfast for a comprehensive look at sport. It was pretty tough to watch that first two quarters of that game. It only produced four goals. Hear from the players, the coaches and the people in the know. Talk AFL football next up on Grandstand Breakfast. Adam Romanesk is part of the ABC Grandstand team to assess the weekend's action. If it's comprehensive sports coverage and music you're after, tune in from Friday to Monday every week on digital radio ABC Grandstand. Streaming online and on your mobile. Inquisition. The act of inquiring into a matter, an investigation, a rigorous interrogation. On ABC Grandstand's Sunday Inquisition, we search for answers from the on-field AFL action. I've got no idea who's going to win the flag. It's just a mix, and I honestly don't know, and that's a beautiful thing, I think, for the game. Join me, Jared Waitley, and the full bench, Stan Elves and Scott Gallen, for the Sunday Inquisition on ABC Grandstand Digital and online. ABC Grandstand.